Number 744 has been announced, and we certainly are delighted to be able to come together this Sunday afternoon in appreciation, of course, for our desire to be able to worship the God that made us, the one who makes all these good things possible. We are certainly thankful for those who have made recoveries from illnesses and sicknesses and certainly hope that those recoveries continue, but we do continue to earnestly remember those who, who are struggling with some very serious matters. Tonight, I thought that we might reflect for a few moments on another gentleman who himself was struggling in a number of ways. In Mark chapter 10, a moment ago was read in our hearing, verses 46 to 52, and for the next few moments tonight, let us reflect on a man named Bartimaeus. As we do that, we not only will, of course, appreciate the setting of his life and the circumstances surrounding his condition, but also to think at the same time, upon those matters of application that might be very beneficial to you and to me. In regard to Bartimaeus, this opening slide is merely a, an attempt to summarize some of the features of beginning element in it. The Word of God, of course, is powerful. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That beautiful proclamation of Hebrews 4 verse 12. And so it is that the Holy Spirit has seen fit to preserve for us this record of Bartimaeus. For those reasons, notice with me some of the things at the bottom. The Bible, of course, is that perfect mirror. It tells us exactly those things in our life that are worthy, those things that are proper, and it encourages further development in those ways. But by the same token, it also points out our flaws he points out our failures. He points out our sins and also urges repentance on those points. Tonight as we study Bartimaeus, we shall find in the character of this ancient man, one who himself can teach us a number of very interesting things that can certainly help us as well. And so as you look at this next slide with me, you'll notice a part of it is going to set us forth to the setting Verses 46 and 47 of Mark chapter 10 bring us to this observation. Jesus and His disciples, as you can see, were leaving the ancient city of Jericho. But as they were leaving, immediately comes before us the following thing. There was a blind man who was sitting by the way. The text says, by the highway. And as you and I remember in that day and time, that was a primary means of support for those who were in, unable to care for themselves. They depended upon the free will offerings of others. And so individuals would cast to them or make available to them. And so here was a blind man. The man's name is told us to be Bartimaeus. Now technically, that prefix bar means son of. And hence, literally, he was the son of Timaeus. In fact, Mark tells us that in case we didn't know it. But you notice we're only beginning because quickly we note the following. Bartimaeus, although he was blind, he was still able to hear, and he heard a large multitude passing. There was already a throng, of course, gathered around Jesus wherever he went. As Jesus and this throng passed by, Bartimaeus sensed that something was happening, and so he inquired, what is the cause, what is the reason for this? According to Luke's account, he was told, Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. I find it so thrilling to consider when Bartimaeus was given that information, he immediately called out, 
He called for Jesus, seeking to gain His attention, hoping, of course, that He might ultimately be gained in terms of a miraculous healing. You may notice as you further look at that slide with me, and I've even placed it quotation marks, Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus had something clearly in mind. It was his desire. He knew already. Didn't that impress us with how the word of Jesus had spread? Although this man was blind, he knew what Jesus could do. Isn't it amazing how word can sometimes spread so quickly? This man knew he was in the presence. Here was one nearby who really could do something about his blindness. Have mercy on me, he cried. And so at the bottom of that slide, you'll notice the people who were in fact processing with Jesus, the people who were with Him immediately told Bartimaeus, Be quiet! Hold your peace! It was their impression the Master couldn't be bothered with a man like this. It was their sense Jesus had more important, more noteworthy business than that. The text is very strong. They charged Bartimaeus. They insisted, you be quiet. That slide closes, but it leads us to another one. As we come to the top of this one, aren't you impressed with what Jesus did next? The text says He stood still. He stopped His walking. He was headed to Jerusalem now. He was headed to that final place where He would finally give His life for the redemption of the human family. But He stopped and He gave an order. He called for Bartimaeus to come to him. Now, with that, you'll note the following. There was a strong sense of comfort that was issued, and may I invite you to notice the explicit way in which it was said. Verse 49 reads like this, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. That same group, perhaps, that was previously insisted on him being quiet now said, The Master calls for you. Can you imagine the thrill that must have filled Bartimaeus' heart? His calling out for Jesus was answered. The Lord didn't ignore him. The Lord didn't overlook him. In fact, Jesus called for this man to come. Let's march forward. Bartimaeus cast away his garment. Verse number 50 says, And he... Casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus, verse 51, answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do for thee? The Lord asked a very penetrating question. Now earlier, Bartimaeus had called out, Have mercy on me, but now the Lord in a very direct and personal way says, Bartimaeus, what may I do for you? What is it that you would have me do? Now Bartimaeus has his opportunity. Earlier he had merely asked for mercy, but now he says this. Verse 51, The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. We aren't told how many years the man had been blind. Perhaps from his birth we don't know. But this much we do know that now in the presence of this Jesus, the one whom he had opportunity to ask, Maybe it is that Bartimaeus had been given very little attention. After all, he was blind. 
People would pass by. Perhaps some would give him some alms, and many no doubt didn't. But now the greatest of the universe had an interest in him. Verse number 52 closes the scene. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Mark lays an emphasis on that word immediately. The healing, instruction, and power to Bartimaeus wasn't slow in coming. It's not like a medicine you may take for some weeks or even months before the full effect might be known. Immediately the man received his sight, and did you notice? He proceeded to follow Jesus. Now with that setting in mind, what might be some lessons, some applications that could be very meaningful and very powerful to you and to me? The first one might well be obvious, but let's see what it is together. I think we each noticed as the development of the reading came before us that first of all, when Bartimaeus was told that Jesus was passing by, he first cried out. But did you notice the way Mark read that with us? In Mark chapter 10, verse 47, it says, He began to cry out, that's Bartimaeus. But then verse number 48 says, And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more. Now in between, you'll notice this crowd encouraged him, in fact insisted, you be quiet. That only inflamed the passion within him even more, and he cried out more vehemently, more strongly, more loudly. Our first lesson then tonight is this one. Bartimaeus wasn't compelled by what others think. Other people told him to be quiet, but that didn't deter him. Other people told him to hold his peace, but that did not stop him. There are many individuals today who rest almost exclusively on what others think for the determination of their action and how they view things. Often that leads to great problems. How many an individual has been motivated and perfect, purposefully set in his or her thinking by a false denominational preacher? Someone who himself doesn't stick with the fullness of the book and teaches something that has led so many to believe what is not true. In other words, these individuals place their belief on what that man has said. That's tragic, my friend. In fact, that's absolutely catastrophic. Bartimaeus, although others told him to be quiet, that did not deter him. He cried out all the more. You'll notice as you come near the bottom of that slide, the status quo, the typical common way that some may view things, if we aren't careful, rather than allowing the Word of God to be the determining factor, we too might rest on what someone else thinks about it, what others say. There are several examples in the Bible. In Acts chapter 4, verses 18 and following, Peter and John there were in the spotlight. And isn't it true? They were specifically told they had been arrested. And they said, they were told, I should say, don't you preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They were released, and guess what? They proceeded to a place of preaching, and they continued to preach the marvelous message of Christ, and they were hauled in again. We told you not to preach this name. Peter and John said, if I may paraphrase, we've got a problem. You tell us not to preach it. God says to preach it, and we've got to obey God rather than men. 
Isn't that interesting? There are times today, you see, when sometimes others motivated by what's not pure and true can in fact insist or even command certain things and you and I must always remain true to that which God declares rather than what people think. And even a blind man teaches us a powerful lesson about that truth, doesn't he? As you and I close that slide, what about that famous passage in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. The seeking first of God's kingdom, notice, isn't predicated upon determining the winds of perception. This particular matter brings us to lesson number two. And so as we turn the slide, what about this lesson? Persistence. We've already noted that Bartimaeus at first was told, you need to be quiet. Don't disturb the master. However, when he learned more noticeably perhaps that Jesus was near, he cried out even more vehemently, even more loudly. Isn't that an interesting observation in persistence? We each well know the Christian life. Once a person is baptized, God at that moment doesn't remove all the problems you'll ever have. He doesn't take everything away and present to you a mere life of luxury and ease and without problem or care. Christians still have health troubles. Christians still have family issues. Christians still have circumstances in the community. Christians still face matters of national import. Just because we're a Christian does not take away the disappointments. It doesn't take away the hurt. It doesn't take away the matters that can be so troubling. What it does is it gives us a helping hand to pull us through those times. It gives us the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did He not say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. In the midst of that though, doesn't this lesson, even Bartimaeus, impress us with persistence? Even in the face of disappointment even in the face of when others perhaps make choices that hurt you and I so much. We mustn't give up. Christianity is not about quitting. It's about finishing victorious. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the inspired writer puts this rather vivid scene before us, and I'd like to call your attention to it as well. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Hebrew writer pointed out so eloquently, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Right now in heaven, there are loads of angels and loads of other heavenly creatures cheering you and me on, insisting that we remain true and faithful, hoping that we will reach the end of the race successfully, emerging in faith victorious over Satan, over self, and over sin. Bartimaeus, in his rather humble way, reminds us about the need to be persistent, to be perseverant, in fact, might I invite you to notice just a few of these passages. 
In 2 Timothy 3, verse number 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. When you and I pause to consider those troubling times, remember, the Lord promised they'd come. That thought alone ought to be at least somewhat comforting in that He helped prepare us for the reality. But not only did He promise they'd come, in Matthew 10, verse 22, to those with respect to the challenges they faced concerning the destruction of Jerusalem, He told them, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Doesn't that excite you? To those who under that terrible onslaught concerning Jerusalem, Jesus told them, I'm telling you, those that endure to the end, they're going to be saved. Now, in principle, you and I know concerning the end of time, that same thing is stated many different ways in the New Testament. Those that endure to the end, they're the ones going to be taken home to glory. You and I have got to be persistent. Finally, might we notice this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Lesson number three at the bottom of that slide is this one. Not only these matters about what people think and also persistence. What about the lovely response of Jesus? Jesus was a busy man. Think about all the teaching He did, the miracles He performed, the others who were calling for His attention in one way or another. And yet He had time to heal a blind man named Bartimaeus. It would have been easy, I suppose, for the Lord to realize, I'm headed to Jerusalem. I'm going to die for the sins of all people. I'm going to, in that death, pave the way for the establishment of the church. I've got important matters at hand. And yet he stopped, heard Bartimaeus, and proceeded to take the time to not only converse with him, but to heal him. Jesus, Jesus responded, didn't he? As you and I close that slide, notice how it leads us to the next one. Because as we appreciate the top of this next slide, it says the following... The Lord will not ignore His children today. Let's take just a moment to say this. You and I as Christians have access to by far the most powerful thing that there is. It would be something, I suppose, for the President of the United States to send you or me a letter and say, I'd like you to come to the White House. I would like your advice, your counsel, your input on a very pressing matter every one of us would feel likely quite honored to be sent a personal letter like that. If the Supreme Court sent you or I a correspondence, we genuinely want to know what you think about this subject. If the mayor of Cookville, if the legislative body in Jackson County, if the governor of the state of Tennessee, I could go on and on in that list. No doubt all of us would feel rather honored to be asked. May I say to you, the avenue of prayer links you and I to not only the ruler of this earth, but to the absolute monarch of the entire universe, everything in heaven and earth and even beneath it. Isn't he said to be Lord of heaven of heavens? 
Solomon, though he had his flaws in life, in 1 Kings 8, when he made the opening dedication of the temple, he even himself acknowledged in verses 61 and following of that chapter, God, what about this temple? I know that even the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. And yet, I have been humbly allowed to construct this temple. You and I, when we pray, we truly can appreciate that the one who controls all things is listening. He's hearing us. And so may we not fail to pray. Aren't we admonished to pray without ceasing? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Aren't you and I told the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much? James 5.16 We can rest assured the Lord will respond. In 1 Peter 3 verse 12 one of the grandest of passages it seems to me might well be this one. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. May you and I then pray. In fact, that has a lot more meaning behind it than even the president, the Supreme Court, the governor, the mayor, any of these others. For they don't control the whole world. They don't control the whole universe, but God does. Surely in light of that, one final statement then in that would be that powerful teaching in Matthew chapter 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, didn't Jesus say, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. For he that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh the door shall be opened. Doesn't that sound certain? Doesn't it sound sure? May I say, pray. May you and I not be neglectful of it. Bartimaeus had the opportunity to directly converse with Jesus in the flesh, but you and I can converse with God any time we want, day or night. Lesson number four is this. Healing faith. When that day began, Bartimaeus was a blind man. We don't know what time of day it was, but this much we know. The time of that day came that in his conversation with Jesus, Jesus said, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Bartimaeus had enough faith to call for Jesus. He had enough faith to keep calling even when people told him to be quiet. And he had enough confidence to say, Lord, I want my sight. He asked for what he deemed to be vitally important. Do you and I, when we pray, ask for those things of vital and necessary significance? May we be quick to do those things. And look at what that healing faith meant to him. Verse 52 again says, And immediately he received his sight. I can only imagine how that man rejoiced. I can only imagine the celebratory thoughts that must have been within him. The text does go on to say, He followed Jesus in the way. That would seemingly suggest His heart was full with thanksgiving, so much so that He desired to be near the one who had healed Him. He followed Jesus in the way. Some of the applications might then be these. Did you notice that His faith propelled Him to do something? He didn't just sit idly by the wayside expecting to be healed in some distant, abstract way. He called for the one who could do something. May I suggest our faith today still must do that. Faith without works is dead. James chapter 2, verse 17. Our faith will prompt us, propel us, compel us, just like it did Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. 
Not only that, may I invite you to consider Ephesians 2, Paul's powerful dissertation on this subject. He said, by faith are you, or rather by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith, as it's presented in the Word of God, always manifests itself. It demonstrates itself in the actions to which it leads. It's still that way. Those who believe, or at least those who perceive, that faith is merely a mental assent to something, they miss a vital point in the Bible. Faith is not merely a mental acknowledgement of some truth. Oh, it's true that that has to be perhaps one of the beginning stages of it, but it's that acknowledgement that so convicts one that one acts upon what that belief demands. That's what faith is all about. Having the sufficient trust in God to do what He says. And that's what you and I as Christians lovingly strive to do. That healing faith leads us to close that slide like this. I mentioned that text in James 2, but what about verse 24 of that chapter? In verse 24, observation is made that that's what, in fact, could well be said about Abraham. In the Bible, it is said that Abraham was a man of faith. And to say that he had that believing faith, notice James's point was he did what God told him to do. No better example than that concerning Isaac. Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and go up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice to me. But God, wouldn't it have been easy for Abraham to offer, but God, you promised me 25 years ago that the son of promise was coming and I waited all this time and now you want me to kill him? I thought the seed line was going to come through him. How can this be? The Bible does at least one word of retort, one word of question that Abraham ever uttered. He simply did what God told him to do. It's in that context the Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6, James 2, 24. If you and I are a person of faith, we will humbly, submissively, lovingly, and convictedly do simply what God tells us to do. And even Bartimaeus helps to encourage us along that way. With those things said, let's come to our closing slide. On this slide we notice a quick summary of tonight's lesson. We first highlighted the setting in which we encounter a gentleman named Bartimaeus. But as we encountered him, we were impressed by the fact that he took it upon himself to gain the help of the great Son of God. As he did so, these lessons then are ours. First, what people think. We can't let people separate us from God by compelling us to do either what God says not to do or failing to do what He says to do. Secondly, we must be persistent. In the truth, we have to persevere to the end for only those will be the ones saved. Thirdly, we highlighted in this the dramatic fact the Lord responded to Bartimaeus. The Lord had time for this person who was blind. The Lord has time for you and me too. We can never pray too much to so fill His ears that He'll not have time for us. And finally, 
we notice the power of a healing faith. A faith so much with conviction that it leads one to do merely what God has said. And that kind of faith, every time in the Bible is commended. Does that describe you and me tonight? Are we individuals who are not only persistent, but who are those who wish to do what God commands above all else? A song of encouragement has been selected. As the lesson concludes in this way, it is a time of invitation. It's a time of opportunity. If there's anyone in this audience separated from God because of sin, it could be that one of two things, I suppose, are true. Maybe you are an alien sinner and you've never known what it's like to be a member of the body of Christ. May I suggest to you, don't let this night pass. Eternity's too long. And if you die lost, the big regret you'll have is, I was that close. I could have obeyed but didn't. May I suggest that plan of salvation is as simple as this. Believe with all of your heart that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, the anointed Son of God. And let that belief then lead you to repent of your sins. Confess His great name as the Son of God and be baptized. If you have been a Christian though, faithful and known the power that that kind of life holds, but tonight you aren't faithful. Maybe you've let others come between you and God. You've listened to them more than you've listened to the Bible. And you've lived a life that's brought some disgrace upon the church. Don't let that continue. Jesus' blood was shed and it still will cover you if you will let it. You need to come back to your first love, Revelation 2 verse 5. And as you do that, confess those errors, repent of them, and beseech faithful brethren to pray to God for you. We tonight could do that. We'd be happy to do it. This song of invitation has been selected, and if there would be one or more that would wish to come, we would urge you to do it now. While together we stand and while we sing.